Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I also am not Pastor Greg. Um, I'm Mike Cortez. I oversee the Family Ministries. And um, welcome back to Pastor Greg and Bob from Haiti. And also, um, like to mention, I did not get to read it yet, but I understand Grover DeVault, who was up here earlier, there's an article in today's paper about him. And I'm not sure if it was an interview, but um, so check that out today if you get the chance. Um, if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning, let your word speak to us. Um, let your Holy Spirit open our hearts and open our ears. Lord, help us to be servants. It's what you've called us to as followers of yours. Um, help us to be serving you in this way. In your name we pray. Amen. How many of us have ever received a job description? Um, I would say probably the majority of us that have ever been employed. Um, I want to share this because I feel like this is an extreme example of what I'm about to share. But I feel like oftentimes we can get a job description and in writing how to do something, but the application of doing that and how to do that sometimes can be slightly different. Um, first job I can ever remember having that had a job description was a perfect job for a 16 or 17, however old I was, um, high school student. It was detailing cars at a local car dealership. And one of those things in the job description was that we had a supervisor named Charlie. And on paper, we were supposed to report to Charlie. Reality was, when you did that job, you did not report to Charlie. You reported to either a sales manager or one or two salesmen. Because Charlie literally would come in each morning, don't remember what time, he would lay out the keys for the first couple of vehicles that had to be detailed, and then he would climb into the back of a tow truck and sleep. And... Every single day you were in there, Charlie would sleep up until 11, 11.30. And then he would get up, sometimes join us for lunch, and then he'd go get in his vehicle and head to the river to fish for the rest of the day. Um, I do Honestly, I think the employer viewed it as a service to him because um, of the years of service Charlie put in there that they said, you know what, stay on, we'll continue to do this for you, and you can do what you're doing. To this, and I would guarantee it's 11.22 right now. I don't know if I should have told you the time. Um, it's 11.22 right now. If you would drive north of Millersburg on Route 147, there is an early 80s Crown Victoria parked along the road in Charlie's Fishing. 
Um, I know this because we just came back from out west a couple weeks ago, and when we went to drop my mom off, Charlie's car was parked right along the river, and he was fishing. So (laughs) I'm going to suggest that learning to be a servant is similar. We can't just look at the job description to learn how to do it. We can know it in our heads, but actually doing it teaches us how to better be a servant. Being a follower of Jesus means that we are servants. We'll look at some of what it means to be a servant and what a servant truly looks like. But like I said, I truly believe that becoming a servant is submitting to the Lord's will and serving where you are now and right with who you're with now. Being a servant is something as followers of Jesus Christ we are called to do. It's not an option. It's not something to do when we feel like it. It's part of the job description. In this particular passage, Peter is talking to believers that are servants to others. Peter was writing to Christians who were trying to follow Jesus in a time period and in a place where following him was not easy. Dr. Keim gave us a little bit of history last week of what the Christians who were living at that time, point in time had to deal with, some of what the government was doing and what the conditions and rules were like. Being a servant or a slave and a Christian with a master did not follow Jesus was not an easy thing. But it was part of God's plan, and we see that here in verse 21. And Peter's instruction was to them was to live in a way so that others can see Jesus through you. Being a servant requires humility. Turn over to Philippians 2, 3 through 8 with me. And it's also up there. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not o- look not only at his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Being humble, submitting, and looking out for others' interests is part of becoming more Christ-like. Service requires putting others above us. Now, I'm not going to read for you the whole passage over in John chapter 13, but if you're familiar with that, um, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And... Here's the God of the universe sitting down to supper with his disciples. And he gets up from the table. And remember, Judas was a part of that who was about to betray him. He gets up, takes off his outer garments, and wraps a towel around himself, gets a water basin, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. Um, I tried this with, or didn't try the actual foot washing with my Sunday school class, but led on to believe that we were going to be doing a foot washing that morning in Sunday school And you should have seen the reaction and the withdrawal from the idea of washing one another's feet. But think about the humility it required. Um, And for Jesus, the humility generated by love for his disciples to wash their feet. And then in verses 12 and 17, he says this. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Do we do as Jesus did? Do we know these things and then just keep them in here? Or do we know them and it moves to our heart and then we act on them? Being a servant also requires a master. Who are we serving? We see here in 1 Peter that Peter is telling these believers that they must submit themselves to their masters with respect. Through this example, there's a pattern of how we are to serve God and others. Um, I picked three specific individuals or group to focus on. Um, We serve God and it's for his glory. We serve the church to complete God's mission here on earth. And we serve others, and others being those that don't follow Jesus, and it's to lead them to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. First and foremost, as followers, like I said, our service must be to God, which is something I think most of us would say we know, but is it something we actually do? Um, I think it's harder to do, harder to be a servant of God than what it is, or it's harder to do it than what it is to say it. As follows, followers of Jesus, are we completely submitted to God, his will, and his direction? no matter what that means for us? Are we willing to give complete submission? We are servants, and our first service needs to be to God and for God. Colossians 3.17, And in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, the Father, through him. All of what we do is as his servant. My role here as great at Grace Baptist Church is as a servant of God. My role as a father and a husband is as a servant of God. My role when I coach soccer for some of my kids' teams is as a servant of God. My role as a citizen, which we talked about last week to some degree, is as a servant to God. Each and every area of my life should be affected by the idea that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are God's servant. You are there to be used by him and be Jesus to the world around us. Now with that, we also got to be careful sometimes where we let serving God, when we let the act of service become greater than God himself. And what I mean by that is we got to be careful that we don't hold tight to the act of service that we're not willing to see where God may be moving, where God may be changing direction, where God may want to do something different with us, that we don't hold on to the act of service as tightly as we hold on to the one we serve. We're also called to serve one another, and the one another being other followers of Jesus Christ, the church. We're not called to just come and sit in these pews on Sunday morning. Um, Think about some of the songs that we sang in worship to God this morning. Um, The church isn't just this. Are we being the church? Um, Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and, we are, and all were made to drink of one spirit. 
But the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we treat with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We need each other. Um, We need to be serving each other. And we need to be serving in the right places to work as a body properly. Um, In Ephesians 5, Paul again addresses the same idea. And in verse 16 states that when each part of the body is working properly, how it is equipped, the whole body grows so that it builds itself up in love. We need each and every part of the body to be working where God has called you and how God has called you. Um, I'm going to suggest that if you're waiting around for somewhere to serve, or if you're not serving anywhere within the body of Christ, that means something God wants done isn't getting done, or that we have someone who's a foot running around trying to be a knee, or we have someone who's an elbow running around trying to be a toe. Um, I don't know. I, well, for me, I know I have two ankles that are shot. I have no tendons attached to my ankles. Um, I love the outdoors. I love to walk around, and this just sticks out to me when I see this. Um, Because of that, um, I have other joints that need to take up the work of what the tendons in my ankles had done. Well, yesterday I spent a lot of time going up and down hills, and today my knees and my hips hurt. Now, picture that in conjunction with the church. And as if we're not functioning as a body, if other parts of the body are trying to do work that maybe another part needs to be doing, the extra stress and things like that that may come into the picture. Um, Serving each other just isn't in the tasks that we do together or for each other. Do we pray for each other as brothers and sisters? Um, Do we help provide for spiritual needs? Do we help provide for one another's physical needs? Um, In Acts 2, 42 through 46, I read that for you. Eventually. If you're familiar with Acts 2, here we have the beginning of the church. And, and they vote, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I love this picture of the church. There they are together in God's word, encouraging one another, 
in their ministry, eating together, praying together, and out of this they met each other's needs. A love for one another must have grown as they grew in their love for their Savior. Then through that, others were coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, which there should not surprise us because you look back in John 13, and how does Jesus tell us other people we will know that we are his disciples? It's through our love for one another. Through how we love each other within the church is how Jesus says others will know that we are his followers, his disciples. You want others to know that you love Jesus Christ and you're his follower? Love one another. We're called to serve others, and others being those that are not followers of Jesus. Remember whom Peter's talking to in 1 Peter 2. He's talking to Christians serving in a world where masters, whether it was the government or in this case the passage an employer, was hostile towards followers of Christ. How many of us have ever complained about our employer? Not me, Pastor Greg. No. <laughs> How many of us have compla- ever complained about our employer? Um, or a fellow employee? Um, how many of us ever complained about our government? Um, when we open our mouths in, this situ- in these situations, how many times are we remembering that we're representative of Jesus Christ? Um, how well are we representing Jesus when we do that? Looking back in verses 21 through 25, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus left us an example of how to live. Um, How engaged in the community are you? And I'm not judging anyone's how involved you are or how much you avoid the community, but ask yourself, how engaged are you in your community in serving those who do not know Christ? Um, We got to see the impact that Go Beyond had last year for those that participated in Go Beyond and those that were reached through that. We have many volunteers that reach out into the local schools and reach out in the local clubs and different groups. Um, On Tuesday for the elections, we allow outside groups to come in and poll and have this as a polling center and use the church. But ask God, where are you looking for me to serve in the community? And I don't know that answer for any one of you. Um, That's something you know between you and God. But where are you serving? And both those are service to each other as believers, and our service to the community tied back to serving God, serving God where he wants us, serving God where he called us. And I think we can look at a couple truths of being a servant. Um, It's not always easy. Just because we're doing what God calls us to do doesn't mean it's always appreciated. It doesn't mean that you won't get harsh treatment, that you won't get treated unjustly. Uh, Peter's making a distinction in chapter 2 between deserving harsh treatment and getting harsh treatment when you don't deserve it. But when we are serving God and serving God for his glory, how we respond should be a reflection of Jesus Christ in our lives. How we respond should be a reflection of how much our lives are growing in love and service to him. It's an opportunity for each one of us to get to share him in his love. It follows Jesus' example. Jesus, the King of Kings, served those who followed him, and he calls us to do the same. As part of the process of becoming more Christ-like, we must be servants. 1 Peter 2.21 just read, Christ suffered, leaving you an example. John 13.15, Jesus says, For I have given you an example, so that you should do 
just as I have done. And it's also for his glory, for God's glory. Our service should point others to him. Our service shouldn't be about us and for us to receive an attaboy or a pat on the back or whatever that may be. Our service should point others to God. Do others see God working in you and through you in your service? I mean, today's day and age, people generally ask when you serve selflessly, when you do something without expecting something in return, they want to know what's your angle. They want to know what you want through that situation. People don't expect service selflessly with nothing in return. What an awesome opportunity can arise to share about our God and Savior when we are putting others above ourselves and serving him. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I am a servant. Who am I serving? Are you serving where God has called you? Is God glorified and honored in the way you serve others? In 1 Peter, I just want to close with verses 24 through 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Lord God, challenge us. Um, Stir our hearts. Help us to see where you're calling us to serve. Help us to know where you want to use us. Um, Help us to just follow you with complete abandon, just going where you call us to go. In your name we pray. Amen.